0: We had uh, Tim come to speak to our sixth form just a little while ago, and uh, he spoke and he plugged our Alpha course that we were getting started, and uh, he won't know this, but uh, a little while later I received the minutes of the school council, you know, when pupils get together and they share their feedback about everything, and uh, I scrolled down through these minutes and I saw a little note at the bottom that said, can we get that vicar from Wigcombe back to speak to the whole school? So there will be an invitation uh, coming your way. And uh, we thank you already for all the, the many ways in which uh, St. Matt's has uh, been a, a blessing to Kingswood. Uh, there's an old greeting that they sometimes use in Pentecostal churches. I wonder if you know it, if you've heard it before. The preacher says, God is good. All That's right. And then they swap it around, and the preacher says, all the time, and the congregation says, So let's uh, try that now. They should have done that at the royal wedding, shouldn't they? Yeah. God is good. All the time. All the time. Our theme this evening, as we continue to think about the fruit of the Spirit, is goodness. And the first thing we need to note about that is that goodness is the character of God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Uh, Jesus was once asked a question by a man who ran up to him, fell on his knees, And said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And to start with, Jesus didn't answer the question. He said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Goodness is the character of God, the essential character of God. It is who he is. When Moses was going through a desperate time in his life, And he was utterly despondent. He asked God to show him his glory. And God said that he would do it. Imagine that. Isn't that amazing? God was going to show his glory to Moses. God said that he would do it except, he said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. You cannot see God's glory without seeing his goodness. You cannot see God without seeing his goodness. When the people of the Old Testament had finished building the temple, we heard about the stones being prepared earlier. When they finished building the temple, when they dedicated it, they saw the glory of God descend into it. And all they could do was to worship and speak of the goodness of God. They said, he is good. He is good and his love endures forever. Goodness is the character of God. And that really is very good news. It means that there is no hidden agenda with God. There's nothing twisted within him that would mean that you have to be suspicious of him. He is utterly honest. He has absolute integrity. He's not two-faced. He doesn't pretend. There's no play acting with God. What you see is what you get. He's transparent. He's pure in heart. He is utterly dependable. You can trust him completely. And he is so good. It's it's almost as if he can't help himself. He's so good that he always, always works for good. Uh, I went to the launch of Thy Kingdom Come in the Abbey, in Bath Abbey, uh, the Thursday before last. What an amazing evening it was. Simon Ponsonby from Oxford spoke and as part of what he said about the beautiful gospel, he talked about forgiveness. And he said that forgiveness is what God does. We could say the same about goodness. Good is who God is, and it's what God does. Think about that great character of the Old Testament, Joseph, the one who had the amazing technicolour Dreamcoats. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Imagine that. Sold into slavery by his brothers. There are people around the world today who are sold into slavery by their family members. Joseph, as a slave, was deliberately, wrongly accused. He was set up. He was imprisoned. He had been abandoned by absolutely everyone. We sometimes say that. Metaphorically, of people that they've been abandoned. It was literally true of Joseph. He had been abandoned by absolutely everyone. His family thought he was dead. And those who wondered if he was still alive would have been quite happy for him to be dead. They really didn't care. He was in a foreign country, a long way from home. No one cared about him. There was no one to fight his corner, to protest his innocence. Even the one person in prison who had promised to try to put in a good word for him had forgotten all about him. He had been utterly abandoned. And then he was reunited by his brothers, the ones who had sold him into slavery, the ones who were responsible for all the evil he had suffered. They didn't realize who he was at first. And when he told them, they were terrified. But he said to them, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Goodness is who God is, and it's what he does. What had happened to Joseph, what was done to Joseph, was despicable. It was evil. There there were no two ways about it. They all meant it to be evil when they did it. And yet, God was somehow able to work through it all, to accomplish good. Now it may be that people have done despicable things to you. It may be that you've done some despicable things. It may be that despicable things have happened to you and it seemed that no one was responsible, they just happened. Perhaps for you, despicable isn't quite the right word, but you know what I'm talking about. If you can somehow bring those things to God, he promises to gather them up into his purposes and somehow to turn them into something amazingly beautiful for your good and for his glory. We can't understand how he does it, but he is so good, goodness is so much who he is, that he will find a way to take the most difficult, the worst moments of your life And turn them to good. If he could do it for the cross of Jesus, he can do it for you. That's not to say that evil stops being evil. That would never be right. Evil will always be evil. But evil is not the final word. The final word always, will always belong to the goodness of God I know someone who is a professional pianist. And he says that even though there are 88 keys on a piano, there's no delete key. So once you press the wrong key and make a mistake, there's no way to get rid of it. Uh, Everyone's heard it. When the mistake has been made, it's been made forever. And it's often obvious to everyone. It can be excruciating to sit through the performance of a piece when someone is making mistake after mistake is as excruciating for us and the audience as it is for the person who's playing it. But he says a professional knows how to deal with mistakes. The professional will somehow incorporate the mistake into the music that he or she is making. They can even find a way, in that instance, to incorporate the mistake in a way that adds beauty to the music. Uh, they might turn the mistake into what is technically called a passing note. Passing notes are also called grace notes. The promise of the gospel is that God can somehow, somehow take the worst moments of your life, the things you've done, the things others have done to you, the things that have just happened, God can somehow take all of that and turn them into grace notes that somehow become beautiful. If you can somehow bring them to him. We've heard lots of words tonight about breakthrough. Maybe this is where the breakthrough is for someone here tonight it's what i felt most powerfully as i was preparing for this evening if you can somehow bring the worst to god tonight he will take it and turn it into something beautiful by his grace romans 8:28 we know that in all things god works for the good for the good of those who love him. And he'll do it for you. Goodness is who God is and it's what God does. It's the character of God. That's the first thing. Secondly, it's a characteristic of the kingdom. That's where our Bible reading comes in. Uh, It might seem quite a strange reading to have before a sermon on goodness it's quite a strange story the beginning of Matthew chapter 20 the kingdom of heaven said Jesus is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. he goes out at different times throughout the day because he still needs more people to help with the work and each time he promises to pay them what is right and then the end of the day comes and they all line up to be paid and they are all paid for a whole day's work. And the ones who had been working for the whole day complained that it isn't fair. Uh, the, these men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. To which the landowner replies, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius, which was a full day's wage. Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? He knew that all of the workers wouldn't have been able to feed their families that evening if they didn't receive a full day's wage. So he generously gave it to them. So what has that got to do with our theme this evening? Goodness Well, when the Apostle Paul listed the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, the word he used for goodness was agathos. If you ever meet someone called Agatha, you can tell her what her name means. It means goodness. Agatha, agathos. In Jesus' parable of Matthew chapter 20, when the landowner says at the end, Are you envious because I was generous? What he actually said was, are you envious because I was agathosene? It's the same word, agathos. Goodness. Are you envious because of my goodness? Goodness is a characteristic of the kingdom. And that helps us to understand what goodness is. You see, goodness isn't actually about being fair. Uh, it's not giving people what they deserve It's not about doing the bare minimum so that we can say that we've done the right thing. That's what business ethics often seems to be about these days. It seems that it's about not doing anything wrong so that you can't be sued. But that's not what goodness is, according to this. We often fall into the trap of thinking like that. If a parent leaves their child with a babysitter and then comes back and asks, Have you been good? What they don't tend to mean is, did you get onto your bike and cycle down to the charity shop and give half your toys away and then go onto the soup kitchen to help out and, and help an old lady across the road on the way? That, they don't mean that. What they mean is, did you manage not to be naughty when we were away? Well, that's not what godly goodness is. Godly goodness is, is about going above and beyond it's about being generous. It's not about treating people as they deserve. It's actually about treating people so well that they don't deserve it. Where would we be if God treated us as we deserve? Goodness, isn't, goodness is about a gracious and generous spirit. The more somebody doesn't deserve to be treated well, the more good you can be, the more goodness you can show. I don't often quote Shakespeare when I'm preaching, but I couldn't resist it tonight, because uh, I know that that's the kind of church that St. Matt's is. <laughs> and, uh, and I was very struck by a, a line from Hamlets uh, when I watched uh, the recent version of it on the BBC with Andrew Scott, who was also uh, Moriarty and Sherlock. And uh, there's a moment in Hamlet where Hamlet asks one of his servants to look after some guests, look after some guests well. And the servant says, more or less, well, I'll treat them as they deserve. And and at that point, Hamlet flies off the handle. And and this is a paraphrase, but uh, he says, uh, do better than that. If you treat everyone as they deserve, we would all get a beating. Treat them according to your own honor and dignity. The less they deserve, the more your generosity is worth. Isn't that amazing? He's talking about goodness. Treat them according to your own honor and dignity. The less they deserve, the more your generosity is worth. Well, never mind about our own honor and dignity, but we should treat people according to our own experience of the goodness of God of God, the less they deserve, the more your generosity and goodness is worth. What would it mean for you in your family, amongst your friends, at work, in the church, to do the generous thing, to do the hard thing, to go above and beyond, to be gracious, in order to express the goodness of God. The harder it is, the greater the opportunity for goodness. That's how it is to be in the kingdom of God. Goodness is a characteristic of the kingdom, and it is to that we are called as Christians. Goodness is the character of God. It's a characteristic of the kingdom. And thirdly and finally, It's a charism for Christians. Now that sounds slightly complicated, but I thought three similar words would be easier for us to remember. Character, characteristic, charism. Charism means gift of grace. God calls us to goodness, to nurture the fruit of goodness within us in our daily lives, but it doesn't come from looking within and saying, how much goodness have I got in here and how can I work up more? It doesn't come from looking within at all. It comes from looking out and looking up. Goodness is a gift that God gives. The more we gaze upon his goodness, the more we experience his goodness, the more like him we will become. If God was simply to command us to be good, We could never do it. But that's not what he does. It's much better than that. Uh, I'm a Methodist minister, so forgive me for quoting John Wesley. Uh, I'm the chaplain of the school he founded, so I can't help myself. Uh, Was that an insult or was that... uh, (laughs) It might be just as well I didn't hear what that was. I hope it was an encouragement. Did you say preach it, brother? Good. Um, He talked about, Wesley talked about the the commands of the Bible being veiled promises, veiled promises, hidden promises. They might look to us to be onerous, burdensome commands, impossible for us to carry, setting the bar far too high. But actually, Wesley said, they are promises. Promises of the way we will increasingly live our lives as the Holy Spirit works within us to transform us. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. It will grow in us as the Spirit flows through us, just as fruit grows on a tree as the sap flows through the branches. Of course we should do whatever we can to make sure the conditions are right, that the tree is planted in the right soil, fed and watered regularly, that all that gets in the way is pruned so that the fruit has space to grow. But in the end, we can't produce this fruit ourselves. It's a gift of grace. It will naturally grow in our lives as the Holy Spirit flows through us. It comes from looking up to the God who is all goodness and receiving all that he graciously has to give us. Today is Pentecost Sunday, as we've heard. We celebrate the day on which God empowered the church with his Holy Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus on earth. It was a day that fundamentally changed everything for Christians. Those first Christians suddenly discovered that with the power of the Holy Spirit, they could do in the name of Jesus what Jesus himself had done. So having been filled with the Spirit, Peter and John went to the temple They met a crippled beggar on the way who asked them for money. What did they do? They said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And he went, walking and leaping and praising God. They were able to do in the name of Jesus what Jesus himself had done. God was continuing the ministry of Jesus on earth through them. That's what it means to be a Christian today. God continues the ministry of Jesus on earth through you as he empowers you by his Holy Spirit. And not only did they discover that they were able to continue the ministry of Jesus, they also discovered that as the Holy Spirit worked in their lives, they were increasingly becoming like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. To become like Jesus. To have the life of Jesus living in you and through you. When that same Peter a little while later spoke to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, he talked about Jesus and described how God had anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and about how Jesus had then gone around doing good. Those early Christians were discovering how filled with the same power of the same Spirit, they were increasingly able to do good to. And so goodness was there when Paul, who would later become one of their number, listed the fruit of the Spirit in his letter to the Galatians. The fruit that will increasingly grow in our lives as the Holy Spirit flows into us and flows through us. Goodness was there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a charism for Christians. It's a gift of grace. So goodness is the character of God. It's who he is And it's what he does. We can trust him completely. And if we can bring even the worst moments of our lives to him, he will transform them for good. It's a characteristic of the kingdom. We're called not to treat people as they deserve, but graciously and generously as God treats us. And it's a charism for Christians. A gift of grace. If we want more goodness in our lives, it's not a case of trying harder, but opening ourselves to the gracious work of God's Holy Spirit. As he flows into us and through us, he will produce this fruit in us. It's a great privilege to be a preacher. I think it's the greatest privilege in all the world. Because you get to stand in front of people And speak in the name of Jesus. And it's my great privilege as your preacher today, on this Pentecost Sunday, to invite you in the name of our Lord to come to him. Come to him with all the dreadful things that need so desperately to be touched by his goodness and turn to good. Come to him with them. Come to Him and ask Him to fill you with His Spirit so that you can become increasingly like Jesus and amazingly continue His ministry here on earth, going about doing good. Why? Well, you have to be ready for this bit because God is good. And all the time, let's pray together. And uh, in the quietness now, let's come before the Lord in prayer. In the quietness of our own hearts, the worship team might... uh,